welcome to another episode of the Bloom Podcast. We're here with William Padilla Brown, and I'll just let you do your own intro. You right creative, amazing human. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually from Mechanicsburg. Well, I'm not from here, but I live in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm originally from North Carolina. I've been traveling around the world my whole life. Um, just a big old nerd. I like to play with mushrooms and algae and uh, insects and create permaculture systems. And I travel around the country teaching people about what I do and foraging around the country for different edible plants, medicinal plants, mushrooms. Um, yeah, I like to experiment. I like to research. I like to make music. I like to have fun. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you'll find out more about me as we as we talk. Yeah, super excited. Thanks for making the time to talk with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so let's see where to start. Maybe, uh, given what you just described, I'm curious how you would describe the intersection of looking at what you're doing as a business, as connecting with nature and nerding out, and oriented toward community and neighborhood with the way that you're homesteading. Right on. Well, um, everything I do is pretty much a business. Like all the mushrooms I grow, we usually sell them. Um, all the algae I grow, we're working on getting that uh, uh, checked out by the health department and all this kind of stuff so we can sell that as well. I, I sell a lot of foraged goods, uh, both plants and mushrooms. Um, and traveling I teach is a, is a big part of my business. Teaching is, is a big part of my income. Um, so I travel around and teach people about everything I do. I think it's important to make sure that um, although this work needs to be done and all this ethical work needs to be shared, that to make sure that anybody that's doing it is not overextending themselves and making sure that the energy is being reciprocated. I like to use the acronym FEE, like I charge a fee for everything, but I, I put that as an acronym for fair energy exchange. So make sure that for what I'm putting out, I get back. Um, what was the rest of the question, aside from the business aspect of it? Kind of how you view the interrelated interrelatedness between running businesses, connecting with nature, and homesteading. Like how, how what you're doing is connected with neighborhood and community. Oh, well, um, my neighborhood, like everybody comes to check out what I'm doing all the time. Uh, everybody like all the kids come and like come see the chickens and um all the older ladies in the neighborhood always come to see what kind of plants i'm growing and i've been involved with the community on west in the west shore of harrisburg and greater harrisburg um since i was 19 years old um and uh i've learned with these people i've taken classes with these people i've given classes to these people and uh we share we barter we trade food um, it's a really cool community and I can usually find somebody that can help me out with the work that I'm doing uh, just by posting on our local groups and things like that on online. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the community intersection is, is critical. Um, I personally believe homeostasis will not be achieved without symbiosis with local systems. Um, and I'm talking like from directly in your home to your outside your home, whether it be a garden or whatever, and then to your greater community and then so on and so forth. Until you're in, in like good communication, until you're into uh, a fluid relationship 
with all of these organisms and all of these people, um, then you can really start to achieve like balance in your life. That was really beautifully said. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I want to listen to that on repeat for a while. <laughs> Do you have a favorite mushroom to grow? Um, I have a couple favorite mushrooms that I like to grow. Like number one is probably cordyceps, um, probably because it's bring brought me so much uh, in my life. I was the first person that published any English literature on cultivating cordyceps militaris fruiting bodies. Um, so it's brought me a lot of uh, uh, recognition and, and got me a lot of work. Um, so it's really fun growing those. And because it's still so new in the United States, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential for more discoveries. There's a lot of research that still needs to be done. So I really love growing that. And then um, other than that, I've had a really big obsession with uh, maitake mushrooms. This is Hen of the Woods, Graffola frondosa. Um, it's just a little more difficult to cultivate than most of the regular mushrooms that you'll see. Well, I guess they're not regular. I mean, all mushrooms are magical to me, but, um, it's a little more difficult to cultivate than varieties that you'll see like oyster mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms, piopino, king oyster, things like that. Um, so I've really been having a lot of fun figuring out the little, um, nuances of cultivating maitake. And I think that's really, really fun. Um, and that's, that's one that's really appealing to me right now. And I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know what maitake is used for. Is it, it's one of the, it's a medicinal mushroom? It's used for food? Um, it's foremost an edible. Um, a lot of the gourmet mushrooms, I mean, almost all mushrooms have medicinal benefits. Um, maitake is a mushroom that's super delicious. It usually grows on the East Coast, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic um, in the fall around oak trees. Um and uh, it's been highly revered in Asian cultures for its medicinal properties. And uh, within the past 20 years, I believe, maybe even further uh, back, um, it's been researched a lot for its defraction beta-glucan, which is like a powerful uh, beta-glucan, which is a long-chain sugar or starch, um, like polysaccharide, um, that is has been shown uh, immunological benefits uh, it's been tested in japan on uh, cancer patients that were going through chemotherapy but not taking cancer medications um, and uh, it's been shown to uh, stimulate natural killer cells so it's just one of those mushrooms that's like really beneficial as far as like preventative health and then for people that are experiencing uh, cancer or other ailments um, so the defraction is like the biggest um, like known medicinal benefit or medicinal compound in the maitake, but I'm sure that there's plenty others that I haven't spent enough time to, to research. Mm -hmm. The whole field of citizen science and research in general that's going on with mushrooms seems to be infinite for one thing. Um, and really interesting, like what, what's your take on what's going on there with this Mm, like the intersection of cultivating and research and how much you're learning about probably about biochemistry and the human body and all of that stuff. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't take it to that extent. A lot of people like know that mushrooms are beneficial for you and like know that mushrooms have so much potential for remediation, for textiles, economic uh, um, revitalization and things of this nature. Um, so a lot of people just... Uh, jump onto the mushroom bandwagon and they're just like 
I'm going to grow these mushrooms. I'm going to provide them for the community. And that's the extent of it. Um, but then there's a lot of people and myself included and a lot of my friends that do take on that role of like a more citizen scientist um, where we're actually doing the research on ground level. We're working with these new mushroom species. Um, we're sending them off to universities to be analyzed or we're doing the analyzation ourselves or working with our friends that have been trained in molecular biology and doing these DNA sequencings and things like that. Um, all of that I think is incredible. And as far as like, as far as citizen science goes or biological citizen science goes, um, mushrooms and mycology seem to be at the forefront of like innovation at a citizen science level. Um, I, I personally have a lot of hopes in um, that mindset being uh, expanded to things like algae as well. Um, things like insects, I think it's going to be critical that people start paying attention to more of these things. Like a lot of people, they're just like, mushrooms are going to save the world. Like, I'm just going to study mushrooms um, and mushrooms are it. And like, they're super smart people that um, if they put their mind towards other things as well, then we could be growing and developing in these other fields that have just as much potential as mushrooms um, uh, in, in just different ways, you know. Um, mushrooms are great and they have so many applications, but they are limited where there's other organisms. I mean, that's why we live in this world where there are, there is something for everything. Like mushrooms can't feel, fill every ecological niche. That's why there's insects. That's why there's plants. That's why there's algae so on and so forth. So I do think it's important that these passionate individuals that are, um, taking, taking mycology to this next level, um, can, could focus on other things. And then just one last note as far as the citizen science goes with mycology, um, citizen scientists have advanced the field of mycology way further than it would have been if it was if it just stayed in a collegiate level. Because um, whenever you're in this collegiate experience, everything is so like by the book, we're gonna follow these procedures, so on and so forth. So we have these kids that are like trying to figure out how to grow mushrooms in their house that are doing all these innovative things um, that haven't been explored yet. So um, there is so much potential and I do think it's really exciting to be a part of, of this uh, citizen science level uh, uh, research. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It reminds me of the symbiotic nature of a lot of mushrooms and the extent of that with how mushrooms function in ecology just continues to blow my mind in every mm -hmm. way. There's such beautiful teachers and friends on this planet. Oh yeah, yes indeed. I've learned <laughs> so much from mushrooms. Um, so tell me more about insects. You said something on your Patreon about micro herding insects. What is that? <laughs> um, yeah, I teach a class called micro herding invertebrates. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, I've been uh, probably as it's probably like as long as I've been working with mushrooms. Like I started doing all of these things at the same time, but everybody was more interested in my mushroom stuff. Like I started posting everything online, like insects, algae, mushrooms, plants, like uh, permaculture, and everybody just only would care about my mushroom stuff. So like I guess that's part of the reason why it popped off the way that it did. But uh, I've been working with insects for about um, five or six years now, and I started out. Uh, working with insects and just um, raising them to feed my geckos and my chickens. And um, as I did that, I saw so much potential. And um, I spent a lot of time on YouTube. Um, I mean, I still do. I, I tell people I graduated from YouTube University. 
Um, I didn't ever get to go to college and I dropped out of high school. So I usually just tell people that because I learned so much from YouTube. Mm -hmm. But around the time that I started um, working with insects, I would look up things on YouTube about like how to keep them and like just tutorials and things like that. And then I started to see a lot of uh, news articles or, or um, news segments on insect farms for human consumption. So like a lot of people are like um, growing insects because there's a whole group of people just like there's a whole group of people that think mushrooms are going to save the world. There's a whole group of people that think people eating insects is going to save the world from like big agricultural meat farms and things like that um, using insects as an alternative protein source. So I did see that there was another um, uh, there's people interested in insects for that reason, um, which personally, like I'm not like the biggest fan of eating insects, but I do think that there's a lot of potential there. Um, but that was really interesting to me. So I started playing around with it for that. And I had like um, some local like rewilding people and like wildcrafter people that were interested in like buying insects from me for their own personal consumption. Um, I really got interested in them for a, a composting standpoint for creating like diverse biosoils, uh, living soils and uh, utilizing them to break down my mushroom uh, waste products and um, and break down like kitchen scraps and things like that. Um, and then in 2015, um, I saw this research uh, from a university in China and I believe Stanford. Um, they put out research that showed that mealworms and waxworms have a bacteria in their guts that are capable of breaking down polystyrene, but only while it's inside of them. So they like tried to culture the bacteria and and get it to break down polystyrene outside of the insects, and it didn't work as well. It did work, but not as well. Um, and then there was more research that showed that like selective breeding these insects and the way that you feed them the polystyrene and organic material together can increase the uh, de decomposition rate of the polystyrene. So I became really, really interested in uh, mealworms for that reason. So I've been uh, just more recently, again, uh, selectively breeding mealworms to increase their rate of polystyrene degradation, um, which is like styrofoam cups and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, any styrofoam packaging, um, which I think is incredible. And um, I think definitely deserves more attention so um hopefully in the next month or so i'll be selling uh, uh spe specialized specially bred mealworms for breaking down polystyrene and hopefully there's more potentials moving forward um with other insects uh for for composting and maybe more potentials for breaking down plastics and things like that which i think is incredible um and then i mean you can press oil from insects. Um, like some people raise roaches and things like that. Like a lot of people raise crickets, a lot of people raise mealworms, a lot of people raise roaches. I think roaches are cool. And a lot of people think that they're really gross, but I think that they're cleaner than crickets. They don't smell as bad as crickets. They don't make as much noise as crickets. Um, <laughs> but that's just another hurdle that people have to get over. But you can actually press oil, burnable oils from roaches if you have enough of them and even, even other insects. Um, and that oil then could be converted into like a biodiesel, um, which is incredible. Like you just have these insects that eat scraps that humans can't even eat. And uh, then you can create like energy from them. Um, and there's there's so much other potentials 
for, for what we can utilize insects for that need to be explored. They need more attention. You know, that's what I was talking about with the whole citizen science thing. So um, I'll keep playing with them. I'll keep seeing what I can find out and hopefully more people get interested and get over their fear of insects and start playing around with insects and seeing what else we can do with them. That's amazing. I share a love for insects with you. They're <laughs> such cool creatures. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine who is a, I think he's a cell biologist. Is that a thing that you do? Uh, but he <laughs> he talks about a quote from, I forget the name of the, yeah, some kind of biologist who traveled around the world studying different kinds of things. And someone asked him, in all of your travels across all of the world, what is the most uh, magnificent thing you've come across? And he's like, well... The creator must have been very fond of beetles. <laughs> yeah, beetles are cool. Because <laughs> there's so many kinds of them. <laughs> yeah, there's so many kinds of beetles and they fill so many ecological niches. It's so crazy. Um, the mealworms are the are larvae of a beetle. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people do the mealworms. A lot of people do the superworms. They're both beetle larvae. Um, uh, the cordyceps that... The cordyceps that I grow is capable of growing on beetle larvae. Sometimes people find them on beetle larvae or beetles. And uh, another cordyceps that we just found that was kind of rare earlier this year, the Ophiocordyceps ravinelli, grows on June bugs, which are beetles. Um, yeah, beetles have so much potential. And they, they're super interesting for their gut biomes. Like, they have – beetles are capable of eating so much stuff like – like fungus they eat a lot of fungus they eat a lot of rotting uh -huh. leaves and wood and things like that and the yeasts and bacteria in their guts are crazy and they that needs to be studied more like they're capable of doing so much like internal fermentation to break down these things that they're eating yeah. i think that's something that deserves uh looked at that's really amazing that you know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just a nerd just like i said <laughs> Um, is it possible to briefly explain how a person could grow spirulina themselves? Yeah, I mean, spirulina is the easiest um, algae to grow. It's actually a cyanobacteria, but we group it in, in the algae group. And uh, one of the reasons that it's so easy to grow is because it's uh, difficult to be contaminated with something else because it likes to, it thrives in a very high pH um, where other things won't live. So it's an extremophile. It can live in an extreme environment. Um, so we create this alkaline water, typically using like baking soda. Um, and, uh, and then we add nutrients. Um, so a lot of people like ask about organic spirulina. And um, there are some people cu uh, cultivating organic spirulina, typically utilizing uh, biodigester effluent in like urea from either like human or like animal urine. So like that's like a whole other thing because like humans eat some pretty gnarly stuff and take all sorts of pharmaceuticals. So I don't know if that's the best idea. But the biogas bio digester effluent is a really cool one. But we have to understand that cyanobacteria evolved in an earth that didn't have organic material like cyanobacteria mutated from a line of bacteria and they were the first first photosynthesizing organisms so in the time that they evolved there was nothing they were the first things ever photosynthesizing they were the first things to create this load of biomass like the only other biological mass that existed was just bacterial films um 
so they evolved in the planet where all they had were salt-based nutrients all they had were inorganic nutrients like minerals um uh, raw like nitrogen and things like this um uh so i don't think it's that big of a deal to feed them like salt-based nutrients or inorganic nutrients and like Mm -hmm. that's something that like people find like that word to be offensive like inorganic but like rocks are inorganic you know like mm-hmm. min- minerals yeah. are inorganic so like it's just i don't know people need to have a better understanding of the world before they like start jumping on these things but um so yeah you just feed them some nutrients in an alkaline water um keep the water moving like a via bubbler uh, air pump or just like physically like using a paddle or a ladle or something like that and stirring it up um and then Usually it takes like 10 days to start a, like if you have, you can split it like from one to 10. So if I had one pint, I can expand it into 10 pints um, and so on and so forth. So if you expand it at a one to 10 ratio, it'll typically take about seven to 10 days before it's like a pure dark green, like fully mature uh, culture. And at that point you filter the spirulina out. I use about a 25 micron filter that you can just filter the spirulina out. Um, harvest it, add more nutrients in the water based off of how much you harvested, and then just keep that. It's perpetual as long as you keep it in a proper environment. So, like, we grow outdoors as long as it's warm enough, and then once it gets co- uh, too cold to grow outdoors, then we bring it inside and continue cultivating inside. Mm-hmm. And then with the spirulina and mushrooms and insects and any other things that you're growing, you mentioned um, before we started recording that you uh, had just got back from the farmer's market. Um, kind of what's your distribution process like in terms of selling these things? Um, how much do you use Patreon? And I also definitely want to talk with you about the perks you have on Patreon, which are all really awesome how you have that structured. <laughs> um, I actually just added a lot of new perks because I, I've had my Patreon for like a couple years, but not many people were participating or utilizing it. Um, so I changed my perks and like offer a lot of my blueprints and like we'll send people like experimental products that we're working on and things like that. Um, so Patreon, I mean, like it doesn't like it produces a little bit of income for me. Um, and maybe like pays my phone bill um, mm-hmm. and, a, and a little bit more, maybe a little bit of gas, um, which is cool. It's great. It helps alleviate some of the economic stress so that I don't have to spend time figuring out how to take care of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like we're out, I'm out here like gardening and taking care of these mushrooms and, and things like this every day. That goes to farmer's markets. That goes to restaurants, which are way better than farmer's markets. Um, farmers markets you have to like sit outside all day when you can just go to one restaurant and sell like the same amount that you might sell in a day Um, so we do restaurants and farmers markets Um, and yeah I mean the distribution is just me and my partner and and uh, and our friend I mean that's it we we grow we grow the product we take it where it needs to go and it's all local except for um, cognitive functions another business that i participate with and uh, we create these food as medicine products that are distributed through alchemist kitchen in new york city Um, and we're also working on getting it in through some more distributors and we do sell products online so um yeah i mean online sales i don't know they're pretty equivalent at this point to to uh 
in-person sales, but the in-person sales are starting to rise up a little bit more now that we got the farm all set up and stuff again. Cause I was living in North Carolina last year. I just moved back to Pennsylvania. So it's taken a while to get everything back up and running. But now that it is back up and running, we're seeing more like in-person sales again. Sweet. Um, you mentioned giving blueprints on Patreon. Uh, can you describe that a little bit more? Blueprints of, of what? Of the, the setups that you use for growing spirulina, for mushrooms, for... I, I saw somewhere that you had kind of like a, a a flow system set up where the waste from one process was going in to be nutrients to another process. Are those the kind of blueprints you're talking about? Yeah, I give, I'll do blueprints for like all of my permaculture designs for like my gardens, for the mushroom grows, for uh, spirulina, for the chickens, um, anything that I see that's working. Um, I'll, I'll help people out. I'll give them blueprints to the systems that I'm running, even the insect stuff or even the lab. Um, I guess at this point, it's going to be very, it's going to be variant on what it is that people are interested in. So as I start to see more Patreons participate in my, uh, become, as I, as I start to see more patrons participate on my Patreon, I can start to like make it a little bit more selective. Um, so if, let's say people are only interested in the insects or people are only interested in the algae. I can like give them uh, uh, tools that they need to be able to to work with that in the form of like blueprints or or just writing out my systems and things like that. So, I mean, it's pretty easy right now because I only have like five patrons um, and we're just sending out a little bit of stuff. This month's going to be the first month that we're actually like, sending out some of our experimental products and doing the blueprints and stuff like that because I only just changed my, my reward system last month. Um, because I needed to boost. I really want to write another book, so I need to get more funding. And I've never got any grants or anything like that. I got one loan, um, well, two loans, and they were both pretty small. Um, so yeah, I've, I, I don't know. I've never had that much funding, and I definitely need more at this point because there's so much more that I want to do, so much more I want to research. Right. Do you have any any sense of where to poke around for that funding? Is that something that you have you have clarity on? It's just a matter of following through, or are you still kind of researching where where those kind of aligned things might be? Um, I'm working on it. Uh, we're we've been like really working on getting access to grants. Um, so that's something that we're focused on, like like agricultural grants or like research grants or sustainable business grants and things like that. Really, we're mm -hmm. just like taking any avenue possible. Um, we really want to go with grants. Uh, we're not in any position to be taking loans and like having to pay back interest and things like that. It's just not what we're looking for, especially when there's people giving out money to good causes without yeah. people having to pay back. Like really all you give back is like you show that you've done the work or you like return research or you make research public or things like that, which I'm completely fine with. And I think would be a little bit better for us. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't want to talk about this. I don't know how open you are about this kind of thing, but I'm curious if psychedelic mushrooms have been part of your path with this work. And then kind of related to that, you know, question about going deeper into your perspective on the magical nature of mushrooms in general for not just health, but yeah, all, all the things. <laughs> uh, um, I wouldn't be where I am without psychedelic medicine. I grew up 
in military bases. I grew up in government buildings. My mother is the, uh, she's been the director of foreign trade for the Department of Agriculture for China. Um, and she's done work for the Department of Agriculture in Mexico and London, DC. So like my whole life living with her, I would be in and out of her offices. I even worked in uh, as like a little assistant. I wasn't like a real job, but I helped out in the government offices uh, in Mexico when I was younger. And uh, my father was in the in the army, so I always lived in military bases, and everything was just like all the same. Like all the houses are the same, and like it's just like a really weird, rigid uh, reality to grow up in. And like neither of my parents really are like outdoorsy. Like I think my dad took me fishing like once or twice. Um, we went camping like one time. Um, never really went on hikes or anything like that. I just like grew up in cities, playing video games. And that was it. And so, like, uh, whenever I was, like, 16, I dropped out of high school uh, partially because um, because I'd moved so much, the curriculums didn't match up, and I wasn't really, like, learning things in a way that was fluid. Um, so whenever I dropped out of school, I just started learning things on my own, and um, I became an atheist for a period of time. And I'll get to why all this is relevant very shortly. But um, I grew up, I grew up going to a Catholic church. And um, when I was 16, I became an atheist because I felt as though um, my religious understanding was keeping me back from a more scientific and more well rounded understanding of the reality that I existed in. Um, so doing all this research after I dropped out of high school for like a year or so, by the time I was 18 years old, I felt like I was missing something. I felt like I was like connecting all the dots that made the world make, make sense for me. Um, but I felt like I was missing something and what I felt that I was missing was something spiritual. Um, so I started listening to different music. I started hearing people talking about psychedelics and the music and things like that. Um, so I became really interested in psychedelics. I had tried like psychedelic mushrooms when I was like maybe 16 or something. And it, it wasn't really, it didn't really stand out as something profound to me. Um, but after I really like got into it, I started researching them. I started seeing what they did to your brain. I started seeing the therapeutic values of them. Um, I started like reading about people's experiences and I was like, wow, this is really what I need. Um, so then I sought it out and, um, I became really interested in LSD. Um, uh, so I sought that out and I found it and I started, as soon as I found it, I started taking what people would consider high doses. Um, so I think the first time that I had a real LSD experience, I took about 200 micrograms. And then from that experience forward, I started taking between six and 800 micrograms per experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would do that on like a biweekly basis. I would give myself the time to understand the experience that I had before I did it again. So I wouldn't get caught up in the experiences. Um, and I would just do it at home or I would go in the woods and I, or I would read books while I was, was doing that. I wouldn't really do it in a social setting. And I found a lot of, I found a lot of revelation there. I became who I was through these experiences. Like before I was just like making rap music and like, I talked like I was from the hood and like, I just like, I don't know, I had this weird persona and like all these blockages in my brain, like all these like social barriers and like social constraints and things mm -hmm. that people create for themselves. And I, I started to uh, meta program my brain. I, tr I treated my, my brain and my body as like a biological computer. And I took a step back and like recoded my systems. Like I got rid of non and like unnecessary programming that I had, uh, that I had 
developed through my life experiences prior and um that really helped me a lot um uh it really advanced me a lot um in my like i don't know probably when i was like 17 or something i i played around with growing mushrooms and i ate those as well and i found that experience to be beneficial but it wasn't like acid was for me like mm-hmm. psychedelic mushrooms i felt like were more like a cartoon where acid and LSD, or lsd was more like a documentary for me like um like they both have their benefits like like the mushrooms were more playful they were more um confusing like like you lose edge detection or colors bleed into each other and um uh like just like weird scenarios where like something starts the shadows start to look like a like some animal or something like that um whereas like lsd was more like scientific more rigid more mathematical and like i could really understand it like with lsd i was like easily like i could pick my dosage and like start to perceive things that i couldn't see usually like electrical currents or or subtle energies around people's bodies or uh, even push myself to uh um perceiving uh what i would like what I believe to be a, like a fourth or fifth dimensional perspective of the world, like seeing myself from outside of my body and like moving mm-hmm. on through like um, energetic fields and things like that. Um, so I have a lot of like, I don't know, I could talk about that stuff forever and like you get really in depth with the experiences and all that. But like in short, it really, really changed my life. And like it really showed me that there was more to the world than most people realize um and then through that i became who i am now growing all of these foods it really like made me feel like being close to the source of everything is what was important uh is what is important so like i want to make sure i'm close to the source of my food i want to make sure that i'm close to source in my relationships um and i don't know that that's something that i pulled out of that that was really beneficial and yeah, I don't know. You could I could talk about that forever. Thank you so much for sharing what you have so far here. It's really beautiful to hear hear about your journey through all that and the insights, <laughs> some of the insights that have come through. I'm sure there's like infinite more of them in there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think I've actually asked you all the questions I had already written down. Who who are some of your inspiring artistic influences right now? Artistic influences, uh, my friends. Um, I have a lot of really beautiful artistic friends. Um, I don't know. Like I'm drawing blanks right now. Um, Jeez, I listen to a lot of music. Uh, my friend West Period makes really good music. My friend Stephen Haas over here makes really great artwork. Um, my friend Jared, he's made these really awesome uh, mushroom trading cards. It's a uh, spore stash. Um, he works with other artists around the world to put them all together, but I think it the idea in itself is beautiful and artistic. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much stuff, like so many people on Instagram, like, like I don't know. <laughs> I would feel bad just leaving out. Like I just scroll through my Instagram sometimes and see so many 
beautiful artists. Um, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't answer that off the top of my head. I'd love to drop maybe just a few links in the podcast description for folks like that mushroom trading deck thing, for example. If yeah, it's for not sure. totally person to person. No, no, I can definitely like share that kind of stuff with you. That'd be cool. We could drop an illustration in or something and then link to the thing and mm. person site. Do you um you make music a little bit too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do make music under the name It's Cosmic. Um, on my uh, Instagram, it's it's Cosmic Music. You can find it on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, really everything. Any streaming platforms, I post all the music on there. Have a couple of videos on YouTube. Do performances around the country. I actually just did a set in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like a week ago, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of the music is like um i don't know multi-dimensional psychedelic hip-hop uh with little flares and spice from the foraging world and playing with mushrooms and science and all that kind of stuff that's amazing yes please <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you yeah. um oh go ahead I don't, I don't know. I definitely recommend people checking it out. I just released a tape called uh, Beautiful Chaos. Sweet. Do you um do you feel like impromptu doing any of that? Or would you <laughs> like if I uh, kind of put in a track in the middle of the podcast at some point? Yeah, you can definitely put in a track. I can like give everybody like a, a verse or something. Um yeah, let's see. Uh, mm, picked up the selenite, boom. Link to the satellite moon. Ascend dimensions my mind. My body's still in my room. They just wasted my time. Oh, time is relative, cool. I've been out in the pines. That resin represents goals. That resin's energy's gold. That resin of the most high. That resin anointed my soul. Enlightened all of my sight. I've been laid out in a field, moving through these fractals. All these colors start to spill on the walls of my castle. Symbols poured out of my crown like the steam from the kettle. I've been flowing down the stream that's decorated with petals. I just had an epiphany. Monetize myself, be my own industry. I'm in this natural synergy. They just trying to snatch some of my energy. Yeah, that was like a part from my one song, uh, uh, Xylem, that's on that new tape that I just released. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, it's always fun. I'm really excited to listen to more of that and share it with more people. <laughs> yeah, do it up. <laughs> Is there anything in particular that you'd like to share that uh, I haven't particularly asked you about? Um, Mycosymbiotics Mushroom and Arts Festival is coming up the first weekend of August uh, this year, uh, August 2nd through the 4th. This is the fifth annual festival. I've been hosting this festival since 2015. Originally, I created this festival 
um, to allow my friends, uh, give my friends a platform to uh, spread what they were working on as far as mushrooms go and then make these kinds of things more accessible to people like me, young individuals that live in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. Um, the festival has blown up this year. Uh, we're working with businesses like Four Sigmatic. We're working with um, Mombucha. We're working with Lancaster Farm Fresh. We're working with... Um, all sorts of great people to bring together this amazing festival. We have uh, great speakers from around the country, including Trad Cotter and Matt Powers and Olga Tsogas and uh, Nika Rabinowitz, who's she's going to be doing a mushroom paper workshop. It's going to be incredible. So we kind of cover all fields of, of mushrooms and mycology at the uh, festival. Um, we always forage mushrooms, which is like the beginning of August is like peak uh, uh, primetime season for chanterelles and we usually find about 200 300 species of wild mushrooms during the weekend um, so yeah it's a lot a lot of fun um, tickets are uh, about 250 dollars but that includes camping and food breakfast lunch and dinner friday or uh, lunch and dinner on friday breakfast lunch and dinner on saturday and breakfast and lunch on sunday um, so all that's included and i mean it's a great experience lots of fun um uh, I, I don't know. It's my greatest piece of art that I've ever offered the world. Can you tell me the name of it one more time and the URL where people can find more info about it and sign up? Um, mycofest.net is where you can sign up. You can sign up to volunteer. You can get your tickets there. You can check out some of the speakers, some of the vendors, some of the sponsors. Um, and again, that's the Mycosymbiotics Mushroom and Arts Festival. It's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That is amazing. I'm moving yeah. to New Hampshire next year, and I'm going to come 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Every year, it's just going to keep growing. Um, we expect to just keep doing it bigger and bigger. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be announcing new sponsors. I definitely recommend people like following the Instagram, MycoFest, or following my Instagram, MycoSymbiote, um, to just stay updated on what we have going on. Um, foraging season starting up. I'm really excited to get out there and pick some chanterelles. I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're working on a video right now to release for a Kickstarter project that I'm working on to raise funds to do research for the new Cordyceps Cultivation Handbook, Volume 2. Um, so definitely uh, stay following on the social media uh, for information on how you can contribute um, and get first access to the new book and uh, some extra goodies uh, that we're still working on figuring out. I don't know what else. There's always so much to talk about. There's always so much going on. I don't know. I'm probably just going to go after this and work on some cordyceps mushroom stuff down in the lab. Maybe check on the mealworms and see if they finish that piece of polystyrene I gave them. Um, I don't know. Just out here living life, having fun. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us on this podcast and share with the Bloom Network um, the wisdom and creativity and exploration that you're doing. And it's really inspiring to meet you and get to know you. And yeah, lots and lots of respect to you in <laughs> every dimension of being. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I love sharing the word and um, I'd love to talk to you again when we have more cool projects going on. I would love that. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
so yeah big big thank you to william padilla brown for joining us today and yeah follow all the things get involved where you live uh do stuff at your house nature is amazing mm-hmm. yep i couldn't agree more just get out there um, find something that you're interested in, take it to the next level. We're all humans. We're all unique. We all have something special about us. Everybody matters. Um, even though there's so many people, you are different and, uh, we deserve to see why. So I definitely encourage everybody to get out there and do something interesting, uh, do something cool for themselves, for their family, for their community. Um, reach out, connect, uh, with the greater network, um, connect with your neighbors, um, the world's changing. We all got to work together to make sure that we all uh, thrive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, much love to everybody and uh, yeah, propagate myceliate. Myceliate, indeed. That was awesome. This podcast has been a production of Bloom Network. Bloom is an international community of people doing stuff like this, all of it, and more rad things. You can start a local Bloom chapter if you want to. You can find out how at bloomnetwork.org. Thanks again to William. We'll close the show out with his track Xylem from Beautiful Chaos. This is hands down my favorite album of this year. Multidimensional psychedelic hip hop, what? I just had an epiphany Monetize myself, be my own industry I'm in this natural synergy They just trying to snatch some of my energy Look on Valley Splits, Diagon Alley Thrifts Precious stones on her tits, galaxies all on my wrist Drop a little L, I'm tweaking, crystal blue sphinx, out of secrets Reborn in the fire, I'm a phoenix, transcendent thoughts with the priestess Tell me, just tell me, just tell me If we in my line, would you eat them spaghetti? You know I pop like confetti If you know Zadi and Mezzi I'll take your finest liqueur Bad little chick she rockin' Dior I'm tryna sip what I pour She claps that ass like encore I just had an epiphany Monetize myself, be my own industry I'm in this natural synergy They just tryna snatch some of my energy Peace sign, that's the motive Orange sunshine, that mimosa I've been swimming in my emotions my dreams are waves in the ocean I was geeking out, then I glowed up Balls of the keep, that's Sosa I've been sipping on a little Goza I've been on this path cause I'm chosen Deep space struck by the light Laser beam to my third eye But now maps are right So my DNA online I just had an epiphany Monetize myself, be my own industry I'm in this natural synergy They just trying to snatch some of my energy I just had an epiphany Monetize myself, be my own industry Pick up the selenite boom Blink to the satellite moon Ascend dimensions my mind My body's still in my room They just wasted my time Oh, time is relative, cool I've been out in the pines That resin represents goals That resin's energy's gold That resin of the most high That resin anoints my soul Enlightened all of my sight Laid out in the field Moving through these fractals All these colors start to spill On the walls of my castle Symbols poured out of my crown like the steam from the kettle. the kettle I've been flowing down the stream that's decorated with petals huh? I just had an epiphany Facts. 
Monetize myself, be my own industry I'm in this natural synergy They just tryna snatch some of my energy I just had an epiphany Monetize myself, be my own industry I'm in this natural synergy They just tryna snatch some of my energy